Hello everyone and welcome to Fireside Friends. This is episode 17. I'm Ryan Prasad and with me are my co-host Alan Ibrahim. Hello, hello. How are you, Alan? I'm doing very well. I'm here, I'm alive, I'm present, and I'm feeling good. Our other co-host is Katie Marie. Howdy! How are you, Katie? I am great. I am also here and alive. <laughs> Not dead. Confirmed. Nope. Uh, I'm glad y'all are doing okay because I smell... Uh, along with this campfire we have set up, I smell a great episode on the horizon because joining us for this episode is indie developer Alexandra Van Chestine. Hey, hi, hello. How are you, Alexandra? I'm doing really well. I've I've just like came back from uh, from PAX like, a, like a, a couple weeks ago and have been spending my time recovering and drawing a lot and working on things and... I'm I'm feeling very creative. It's it's a good time, and I'll be going to another convention soon. And gosh, everything is mm. happening at once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're gonna change it up a little bit for this episode, <gasps> and I wanted to pick your brain a little bit, uh, Alex, on game design and uh, just some of the stuff that you do for a living. How does that sound? That sounds great. Awesome. I, I, that's, uh, so, that's the kind of thing I, I am. I feel confident talking about. So already we're starting strong. Yay! <laughs> yeah. No. We're yeah. We're gonna have you on uh, here to talk about film. Let's just talk about <laughs> film. <laughs> um. So let's start from the very beginning when God created the earth. Uh, how did you g- get into gaming? Okay. So. <clears throat> Um, in 1996, uh, my or 97, around that time, in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, my parents bought me Click and Play, which was mm-hmm. a um, Windows 3.1 program, basically um, a- an ancestor of Construct and Game Maker. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, basically made to um, uh, let you make games without knowing how to code. And super rudimentary, just 2D games. It didn't even have scrolling. But it kind of let me make a bunch of little games. Got me involved in um, an indie community around a website called Silky's Wall. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. like me and a bunch of folks were making games before we knew what like indie games were. And that's that's basically what like got me started. Then I kind of stopped a little bit. I went to become a graphic designer failed at that. I sold computers for five and a half years. And then a coworker told me about a job meet for the games industry. I went there and a few months later, I managed to make myself like a portfolio to pitch to a, an intensive three month, like industry training course. Didn't make, make it in reworked my portfolio to add all these levels I made in Halo 3 and all these games I made in click and play years before and that got their attention so they took me on as a game designer and three months later I got hired right out the gates and that's when I got into the industry and I've been making games professionally ever since though I did go indie earlier this year so uh, now Mm -hmm. I'm still professional but with less money Uh, do you want to talk about some of the games you've been working on? Because I know you've worked on Chariot, which was kind of a puzzle platformer type thing. Um, yep. Uh, I pl- I played a little bit. Uh, one of my sweetmates had it for uh, their Xbox. Uh, oh, nice. I played, played a little bit of that. It was really fun. Um, 
And uh, yeah, uh, do you want to talk about something you've been working on and what you're working on right now? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, Chariot was basically the it was my the first uh, professional game I got to work on that was the kind of game I wanted to work on. And mm. that was like that project was a dream and also I have a very uh like emotional attachment to Chariot because that's the game that got me sent to PAX to rep it. Mm-hmm. And PAX is basically like where I got to Seattle and was like, "Oh, Oh, this is what like this 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 is where I'm meant to be. This is this is like my place. Like not the mm-hmm. little like uh, game industry in Quebec City where everything is homogenous and it's a tiny place. No, this is this is where like it's me seeing the world for the first time and having a giant emotional breakdown and personal awakening yeah. and stuff like that, but yeah, that started everything and uh-huh. that was great. So, hey, Chariot uh I'm really happy I worked on it. I learned a lot of things. Uh, some of the two-player parts are really rough, and I'm sorry for everyone, <laughs> for everyone who had to like go through them. Also, I I, yeah. I I made the hidden level, and I'm really I'm sorry, not sorry about that because it's <laughs> it's a pain. But I I kind of like went through it myself, so I feel it's okay. But yeah, chariot, cool, <laughs> happy about it. It opened a lot of doors for me, and uh, like. Most of most of the other things I've worked on uh, at my previous employer were mainly like you know mobile games, Facebook games. Like I worked on the first Facebook game made in Quebec, which was fun. Hmm. But it's a very like diverse kind of games. None of which were like passion projects, but a lot of which like taught me a lot, and that was uh, like an important experience. But right now, indie wise, I'm having a blast working on One Last Cup, which is a um. A cyberpunk coffee shop conversation game. Mm-hmm. And I'm really stoked. I'm working on this with my friends at Iconoclast.love. Uh, we're uh, an indie studio basically spread around the globe. We have like, uh, there's people working in Seattle, in London, now in Montreal, because I moved earlier. And moving is harrowing, and I don't want to move again ever. <laughs> but I <I'll> probably <laughs> will. But right now I'm in a good place, and I kind of want to stay here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's a fun game. It's the game like only later did I realize, oh, I'm actually making a graphic novel. No, not a graphic novel, a visual novel. I I did not expect that because I mostly start the game with a mechanic and just I don't really mind what the actual ge- ge- type of game genre is. I just go into right. it. And basically the whole game came out of a tweet by Carolyn Pettit say, like lauding the virtues of uh, games like Shadowrun, um, uh, Dragonfall, which lets you see a side of cyberpunk games that you don't often see, like not just the fighting and the missions, you know, seeing the world. And I said, you know, that I replied to her, it'd be, I would totally play a game where you just play a group of Shadowrunners having coffee before a job. And then I went, <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. Oh, I'm wait, I could make this game. So I've been making that game with my friends and <laughs> it's been pretty good where we're like, we're real happy to like hopefully finish it this year but like we're in a process of like i I made it in construct then now we're porting everything to unity and Mm -hmm. we've got like uh we're ramping up production on the art on the writing and it's it's gonna be pretty cool and it's basically the if you've seen um reservoir dogs it's basically Mm -hmm. a cyberpunk reservoir dogs but just the diner scene it's it's 
you have an, a team of intrusion specialists. You know, they have like the technologist, the 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 enforcer, the mechanic, the 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 negotiator. You know, typical archetypes. And the whole game is about them just chilling and having a cup of coffee before they go on their next mission. And the only thing you can do is you choose what they talk about. So you type in a word, and then they talk about it, and that's the game. Whoa, that sounds fucking awesome! I, I think thank you. Too. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to continue working on it and hopefully have a demo out soon. And we had an old demo, but it's basically a, a prototype at this point because now like we're taking this to a much like uh, to a completely different level. And yeah, I'm pretty stoked and also very nervous because hey, being indie is scary because money. <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of that, of being indie and money and stuff, uh, a wise man once said that now is the best time to to be playing video games uh but do you think now is the best time to be making video games it's hmm that's a good question because um probably the best time like it's you know uh i, I i'm an optimist i like to think that the best time to make video games has yet to come but it certainly like comes and goes and like uh right now there's like so many games being made and that's great but it does mean it's mm-hmm. harder to like get your game out there uh mm-hmm. but it also promotes like you know uh, it, it encourages people to make unique stuff and that's great mm-hmm. but it also becomes harder to make unique stuff so you know it's it's i think it's a great time because the tools are out there and, and it's so accessible and especially i think the games being made are smarter now and that's mm-hmm. that's really good to see and like for me, it's the best time. It might not be the best time for everyone else, but for me, I think right now is like mm-hmm. the the I'm in the great and best situation so far that I've been to to um to make it. But yeah, I think it's it's a it's the best time to be making video games, provided you have a reliable way to keep a roof over your head, because <laughs> you you cannot yeah. gamble on a game. Right, that's just right. not something you can do right now. Exactly. Um, when you're playing a game, let's say, let's say you're playing Overwatch. Are mm-hmm. you, uh, are you analyzing like a lot of the games that you're playing and like learning lessons from that stuff? Or are you just playing it for enjoyment or like, is it a bit of both? Like, uh, like as a game developer, how do you look at mm. games? Yeah. Like as a game designer, it's very hard to turn that off because mm-hmm. it's always, it's always going. And like, I, I have like. I do some streaming. I have a YouTube series where I do just that, me playing a game and like deconstructing its design. And but when I just play games, like uh, it is possible for me to enjoy. Like Overwatch, the first time I played it, when I discovered the mechanics, that was like just me only being in game designer most like oh this is how it works oh this is right. interesting oh wait this doesn't seem very balanced hold on there's probably a, an aspect of it i haven't understood yet oh okay now i get it but once i've learned it then i can pretty much just like turn that off and have fun and play may 99 percent of the time <laughs> <laughs> no you're I a may that. too yes because face the best she's so positive and wonderful and she just like encourages everyone to chill out and she just yes. punches things with her <laughs> fist and she's tiny. And also we have a very similar hairstyle and glasses and I love her. <gasps> oh, same. Yes. That's why I love May so much. <laughs> Katie is also a May player. Yay. Yes. Oh, May is May. 
The world <laughs> is like... worth fighting for. <laughs> I feel like May is one of those characters where it's like uh May is so positive and happy, but she's hard to hate. But when you're playing with a good May, you can't help but be the most frustrated person on earth. Even though she is extremely cute, yes, that's the that's an interesting part of May because uh, she is one of only two characters who can actually hurt her teammates. The mm-hmm. other one being Symmetra, because Symmetra can put a portal so that if you step into it, you will <laughs> launch yourself into a pit. Yeah, uh, and May can actually lock teammates in and i think she like, will as as a designer i think a this... bad may will lock teammates yeah. in oh, and yes. i i think this is all like maybe not all but my i'm thinking that the reason they can't make it so that this doesn't hurt your hinder your team is because of the ice metaphor it doesn't make sense to make an ice wall that your teammates can go through if she had a different mm-hmm. gimmick a different visual theme. If it was a force field, then of course your teammates could go through it. But it's ice. It's physical. So that mm-hmm. that doesn't work. So I think like, oh, that's a... They, they went with realism instead of gameplay for that ability. And that makes May potentially infuriating for her teammates because she can make a mistake that will actually influence negatively the experience mm-hmm. of her teammates. And that's that's something that no other character really has. And also, yeah, as you said, it like her, the thing with May, and it could be that there's not a lot of, um, especially in shooters, because you see that a lot in MOBAs, characters with the ability to slow or stun. You don't see mm-hmm. that very much in shooters. And like McCree's right. stun is very, very quick, very brief. You don't really have the time to get mad, but May's main gun freezes you and it lasts a while and that's enough for you right. to feel anger. And the thing right. is her you like as when I'm playing as May, I freeze someone and then I headshot them with the alt fire. But the yeah. alt fire has a delay which is a balancing mechanism so that because it's very powerful and it can do headshots. So the del- the, the the downside of it is you have to like uh, prepare it and it fires after like a half second and you can't hold mm-hmm. it in you have to wait so you have to predict and that makes it tricky to use but to the player who has just been frozen it seems as though the May is showboating and right. taking her time to shoot you in the head but no she's doing it as fast as she can it's just as her weapon has a warm up time which is weird for an ice weapon but yeah that's that's the <laughs> thing the, the, it's the one two combo that makes it really infuriating to be one on one against may but the thing to understand is if you are frozen against a may and if may has frozen you you have already lost it's <laughs> it's not that oh now she gets an advantage no 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 she already beats you it's just that she like the way the character is made, she needs a half second more to finish you off. And that half second is a a thing you can take advantage of if you are smart enough to stick with a buddy. Because the buddy can then protect you or like mm-hmm. shoot May or stuff. If you wandered on your own and you got stuck in a close range battle with May, that is on you because that is what she's good at. But I think that's right. that's the disconnect. People won't like people are not uh, don't make the connection that like oh you've no she won when she froze you they think that oh like this is this is unfair that i can't move right now no no, no you, it's like you're already dead it's just a formality at this point but that's uh-huh. you know that's how it's perceived <laughs> i think i'm curious i would be curious to like pull people who come from 
first-person shooter backgrounds and people who come from MOBA backgrounds to see how right. where they fall on the the frozen ability of make. See, that's interesting because I come. Yeah. I never really play shooters at all. Like prior to this, like I don't know, back in 2010, I mostly just played Left 4 Dead 2. Um, but Overwatch is one of the first shooters I've ever played. But I definitely play lots of MOBAs and lots of League of Legends, and it's I don't know. I I mean I love me personally. So, and I'm coming kind of from an opposite background where I used to play a lot of shooters, and now I don't play anything. <laughs> so, but but I really really love that idea that you're getting at that May is one of the few characters that can control space because Overwatch I think the reason that even like playing it with a bad team with a bad everything is still inherently fun is because it's about like controlling space and movement more than so many other shooters. Mm. You, you know, because I used to play a little bit of Call of Duty here and there, and that was like if I can you know get the beat on the person I need to and get to where I need to be, like, my positioning doesn't matter. But Overwatch is all, like, a cast of characters who control and manipulate space, when then May is the one that can create physical space, and, like, that is a super interesting kind of, like, inspiration from MOBAs, where, you know, the entire thing in a MOBA is where am I standing and how can I, you know, get the hit that I need to to move forward, because it's all about moving. Like, I think that's, yeah. like, a really cool blending of the two genres. I think, yeah, I think it is. And also, like, going back to the the physical space thing, what I said, like, oh, if they found a different physical justification for May's wall, even then you would have to figure out, okay, if, if say, like, you make it a force field or whatever and then your allies can walk through the wall, what do the allies' projectiles do? Do they always pass through? But then some, like, uh, Hanzo has an ability that where if mm -hmm. you shoot a wall, then you get a spread shot in the other direction. What if Hanzo wants to shoot that wall but now he's he, his arrow passes through is this better or worse there's so many design implications especially when you have so many characters every time it's like the moment thing when you design a new character you have to consider all the abilities of every other character and i'm kind of glad i'm not making one <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 fascinating like it's every time now that i have a moment where i go like oh this is frustrating i think back okay how was this in the design room What's the, what was the mm. process for this? And usually you see like, oh, yeah, yeah, I kind of get what the problem is here, and I'm not sure how it would solve it. Mm -hmm. So I have a game design question. Uh, you mentioned when you were talking about your previous work that you built computers for five years. Is that correct? Uh, no, I sold computers. Or, but okay. every, everyone who's ever heard me mention that job will ask me for tech support, even though I was just selling the computers. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Detail as hell. <laughs> yep. Uh, because so in relation to that, I assume that you have a basic understanding of like how, you know, computer parts work and, and like what you're trying to sell to people and what's better and what's worse. And oh, I'm yeah. just curious, like how because I'm right now I'm, I'm working on building my first uh, computer mm. and just been like getting into the 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 really, really deep hobbyist industry that is computer building. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I'm just curious, like, how do you think that is related to game design and like how does like composing something out of a bunch of disparate parts uh, lead to a cohesive whole because a lot of the games that you work on like chariot for example are very much mechanics based mm. and like i watched some of your like star wars uh streams recently and we're talking yes. about mechanical design and how different mechanics intertwine and like you know kind of how that can relate to computers as a general concept yeah oh that's interesting yeah because basically um well the way um the way my job as a game designer kind of related to my job as a computer sales clerk was basically uh, with uh, when you're making uh, games, especially when you're doing servicing, which is making games for other people. 
um, which is a lot of what I did back at my previous job because it was Mm -hmm. a mostly servicing company with a little bit of IP. And my whole job was worming my way into that IP part and then trying to grab on so I could keep making IP things. Right. Uh, But yeah, Mm -hmm. the whole thing, it was basically you have a customer and you have to figure out what they need. Not what they're telling you they need, what they actually need. Right. Because right. they, like, people will tend to uh, offer solutions to their problem when trying to describe the problem. And you have to, like, as a designer and also as a salesperson, you have to figure out, no, 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 what do they actually need? Like, uh, dig deeper. Like, they say they need this, but what is, what are they trying to achieve with this? Okay, what tools do I have? What, 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 what can I offer? to solve that problem. And then you, we can get started. Like for people often like, uh, I, I would have people who say like, hey, I need like this computer it says, okay, why? And then we kind of get digging. Okay, you actually, you need something that can do this and that. I have this thing over here that's going to be great for that. Or people say, I need a printer. Like, okay, what are you printing? Well, you know, like, like this kind of classwork okay you should probably get this one because it's going to be cheaper in the long run and it's it's a lot of that and i'm and doing this with servicing client was also interesting because at some point i was working on a war game and the, the client says hey can you make it so that every unit represents like 10 or 100 units like if i have a soldier that's actually 100 soldiers and in my mind I went mm-hmm. hmm actually the way we work with health uh that doesn't work because right now like the health of a unit is like D&D style. So long as you have a hit point, you are perfectly capable. But in games where like uh, a unit represents a bunch of them, people tend to expect that as like they lose health, they also lose units so that units as a whole become less powerful because you only have five tanks instead of 10. And that might make a disconnect because that's how not, that's not how the game combat works. So people might expect something different happening and that might confuse people. So I basically, we dug down and eventually what we found out is that the client really just wanted to feel like he had a big army. So we went, all right, cool. We have a million other ways to make you feel like your army is huge while still preserving the little skirmish battles we need to make the, the, the game mechanics work. So we found other ways to make like the army, to, to let the player view their army in its like giant grandeur and that worked and the client was happy and we were happy and we didn't have to like mess with the with the game design or um or player expectations sometimes we do have to mess with the game design but in this case we didn't and i was really happy wow. but yeah and, and like for as far as building computers go i have a pretty good computer right now that can run everything and stream and i went to my friend ask her hey you're good with computers what's yep. good now because i haven't sold them <laughs> for years and i've completely lost track it she told me okay this this and that this is good and then i go to a website like ncix i think and basically just like i order up a list like i want this and this and that and that and i make sure that they all like fit together and then i check the box that says i will pay you 50 dollars to put it all together for me <laughs> <laughs> and they and they put it all together for me and they ship it to me and I get it and it works and I'm super happy. And like for the rest I can I can change the graphics card eventually. That's that's okay. I can do that. But actually building the machine makes me super stressed and I never want to touch that. Oh right. no. That's yeah, exactly. Like I'm am buying all of the parts and I'm basically like the patron to the artist that is my friend who I'm just like, I'm gonna throw these parts at you and then make them play World of Warcraft. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> 
we all need someone <laughs> like this in our life exactly. an expert who can like yeah uh, who can turn our turn what we need into something we we that will actually like fulfill those needs mm-hmm. in a way that's games though right because yeah. you are taking the like you know what the part of the player wants they want to feel powerful but how do we make them feel powerful they say you know you'll read a review that says like oh this game feels sluggish and it's like okay well why is it sluggish like is it because we deliberately made the x and y axis movement slow or is it because we made the enemies too fast like these are just like interesting considerations i can imagine as you're trying to like you know make something yeah yeah completely and it's like uh for chariot a common uh yeah. common feedback we got was that the 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 player movement felt a little bit slow right and we mm-hmm. like we, we did our best to work with that but any faster and the platforming would have become much harder so it's right right it's mm-hmm. it's a balancing act and like for like for the next game for one last cup i'm it's weird because sometimes with some games i will not just i'm not a person who makes a game to fill a market need at least mm-hmm. not when i'm making right. indie games i basically says oh this sounds like a neat experience I don't know of any other game that gives you this experience. I think, like, folks would relate to this experience and want to live it. So that's that's like that's a driving force for one last cut. Basically, I, I, I think that the pitch is good enough to get people's attention, and then if we get like something that looks good enough, and then like uh, with the gameplay, make you like empathize with characters. Basically, I want people, I want players to empathize with characters, and then feel really sad when they die. <laughs> and then try to save them. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 a weird thing to say, but that's pretty much the road I'm on right now. But after that, <laughs> I'm going to do like a very happy game about like a road tripping like witch, and that's going to be great. Whoa. <laughs> Ooh, that's right up my alley. So. Yeah. I'm I'm I I love making pitches. So, yeah, I'm 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 hopefully going to find that I'm also good at turning interesting pitches into good games i'm working on that right now i hope that works out Mm -hmm. uh just to shift a little bit here and we usually don't talk about news (gasps) over here and i hate to make this political but i'm I'm everything (laughs) is political every single thing we do and create is political look alex we live in our vacuum (laughs) this podcast (laughs) is separate from the entire world okay um no, uh, so Palmer Lucky was outed as a Trump supporter, mm. right? Yep. Um, and uh, I'm we don't need to talk about that. That's not the point I'm trying to get at. Like, I think collectively as a group, we can all say fuck that shit. Um, <laughs> but the uh, games culture is such that, like you mentioned, like a lot of people view games in this sort of vacuum and a lot of people are like well who would really isn't isn't it just about the games who really cares you know mm. um and i was i wanted to ask you uh and you know as a per, as a developer who is marginalized um like how like not even in response to this right just navigating just like networking in general and like trying to get your work out there how do you balance like the trying to get your work out there with uh making sure that you're not talking to people that you know eventually turn out that they are like some sort of bigotry you know does that make any Mm. sense a a little bit like um with players 
I have like I'm I'm just I trust folks and I go in and I hope everything works out. But like mm-hmm. part of me knows like like when I did that giant bomb stream and like I'm I'm extremely thankful for the moderating team of giant mm-hmm. bomb because mm-hmm. like uh, and apparently like it was everything went well in the chat because yeah right. the they are fostering a good community because they have a great mod team that are constantly working to make sure that the tone and and like. They, they, they're clear about what is acceptable and what isn't but like mm-hmm. uh like one person basically a giant bomb went through the uh, comments of the youtube version of the video oh, and basically called like two-thirds of all of the comments so like that's it's yeah i'm i'm thankfully been lucky when interacting with flares because at least when i go to conventions and stuff people who come up to me and talk to me are okay they're mm-hmm. cool. Otherwise, they wouldn't really like come up and talk to me just to antagonize me. At least I ha- not in this situation. And I also tend to be like I'm rarely alone. But like um, when it comes to other developers, it's like I still haven't been very social in industry for very long. It's only been a little bit more than a year, mm-hmm. and um, mostly like I I have a bunch of folks that I I know I can rely on and trust, and I tend to. Like make sure that I hang around with folks who are who like they are vetted by other folks. So I make sure that okay, I right. have like a core people I can trust, and then I'm slowly seeing who they interact with. And okay, this person says that other person is cool. All right, cool. And mm-hmm. also like I I kind of have like my 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 very basic litmus test for is this a is this a good person or not? And Good is like kind of a misnomer. It's like, oh, is this a person who I think I can have some positive interactions with? Is mm-hmm. basically like, has that person ever changed their opinion when confronted with facts mm-hmm. that contradict their beliefs? Right. And basically, I, I, if I, if I, like the people I see, like, go, hmm, I hadn't thought about it this way. Let me reconsider or stuff like that. They like, they, they, I, I'm very much like, tempted to trust them more than people who like double down right. on the thing so that's but that doesn't situation doesn't come up very often so sometimes i will just take chances and like with palm we're lucky like i've seen on streams talking about stuff and a lot bunch of other folks i've seen talk but and i can't really like get a good impression uh, without like multiple like see, seeing that person a few times and kind of getting a good idea i'm still very like young and slowly building my political like compass and stuff like i i i haven't really been political since the last year and a half because mm-hmm. and by that i mean before like before the, the 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 past year and a half my politics pretty much matched the politics of those around me and the media i consumed perfectly so i didn't notice a difference and mm-hmm. also like nothing really concerned me but Mm -hmm. now that like things like apply to me a whole lot yeah Mm -hmm. i i tend to like keep that in mind more so i'm i'm I'm, like more more alert to that kind of stuff but i'm just like i've still only been like doing this for like a year and a half so i'm like i'm doing my best and it also like kind of goes through my my interactions and when i speak and when i create things i'm like I do, I'm the kind of person who like, uh, like turn over a thought in her head a bunch of times before actually saying it. Because right. uh, if you, if you've seen like my good night tweets, 
um, which is mm-hmm. if you're if if you, for folks listening who don't follow me on Twitter, um, every single night I I like send a good night tweet, and that's it started out as my way of saying like because I come from an RSC background where everyone's always talking constantly. And like, mm-hmm. this is my way of saying like, hey, good night. I'm going to sleep. I'm not going to be able to answer you now if you talk to me. I'm not being rude. I'm just being asleep. And <laughs> it, it quickly turned into like, okay, just saying like, good night, folks. Like, um, I mean, some some people do it, uh, but like, I just felt weird. So I thought I'd also say something and in, in, like in addition to that. And that basically turned into me like saying positive things with my good night tweet. And also now it's basically just what did I learn today turned into something positive. And um, I spend a lot of time preparing those because like I try to be positive, but also I try to be mindful of like, because uh, like my mother's a life coach and she, um, she likes like conferences and stuff like that. And she helps people. And we have like a lot of conversations and sometimes disagreements because like she says like, oh, like I, I give this advice or I said this on the radio and I said, well, like this, like what, what, the advice you're giving works very well for this kind of person, but is doesn't like not mm-hmm. everyone can apply. So every time I, I do like, oh, I'll just like say goodnight, folks, and like say, here's something we can try to do and like, oh, okay. But I, I try to be mindful of, yeah, I'm not going to say like follow your dreams. Not everyone has like, that kind of like financial safety net to just quit your job right, and right. follow your dreams. No. Right, so I tried right. to, okay, what, what advice, like what I've learned today, how can I turn it into something that like is mindful of the fact that people like that they're like the people who are listening to me come from very different backgrounds. And that's kind right. of something I try to put into everything I do and say. And since like, I'm still not very good at it, I, I do my best, but it's slowly becoming easier. Mm-hmm. And it's also something I'm trying to do with my games, especially like in One Last Cup, where I have like a, a somewhat diverse cast and some uh, some some of the characters have a background that I do not share. So I'm doing my best to like ask around and get consultants and like, okay, yeah, I like, am I doing, is this okay? I'm trying mm-hmm. to do my best, but I want to make sure that like, I'm not, I, I, I'm not like, uh, misrepresenting or doing ba- or like giving bad advice or stuff like that and that that is the kind of attitude I look for in others to right. see like okay is 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 basically is someone open to learning and is someone like mm-hmm. like does does someone care about the feelings of others is right. basically how it boils down to and that's pretty much my like uh-huh. how how I try to to like not rank or rate, but evaluate slightly people I interact with to to make sure mm-hmm. like that I'm I'm in good company. To answer your question with a, like a ten minute monologue. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Uh, no, I just always think it's interesting because I only have like two hundred followers, and a couple of my friends have like way more followers than I can even imagine having. So mm-hmm. I'm already always interested in, especially like when those friends are marginalized, like how they handle that sort of like public facing uh interactions and stuff. Yeah, I've I've um, I've and... been very lucky so far. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's yeah, it's I I've had like I've I've had so few negative experiences so far. I'm mm-hmm. I'm and it's like I'm it's also Twitter is weird because you are quantifying people's reach 
And that right. quickly leads you to think, oh, this person has twice as many followers as me. They are twice a better, they're, they're like two times as good a person as I am. And like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> no, right, Brain, no. stop thinking this way. <laughs> and, but yeah, and also like it, it's, it's a bit like when I, I do my, um, my Twitch streams, like I have great interactions and great uh, discussions with people in the chat uh, because I have like, maybe 120 followers on Twitch, which means that when I stream something popular, the most people I'll get is maybe 15 or 18 people. That's manageable. Mm. If I had like hundreds of people in the chat, it would be unusable. Mm. And that would be like, oh, way harder to mod and way like more toxic an environment because you have mm. to actively make it good. So I'm so far things are going well because I'm not popular enough for right. the tools available to me to become overwhelmed, which is kind of a weird and sort of like sucky <laughs> way to, to consider this whole thing. <laughs> uh, for the record, your Twitter is perfectly on point and I think uh, you're doing a great job. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm I keep trying. <laughs> uh, one last thing before we do a break. Mm -hmm. uh, what are you playing right now when you're not, when you're not streaming anything, when you're not analyzing games, what's kind of like a relaxing, relaxation game for you right now? I, I still play a little bit of Hearthstone. I've kind of fallen off of that, but I, ju I just like it. It's fun. Mm -hmm. I'm less into the deck building now. Uh, I just like, but it, it's, I used to be more serious about it now. Just, yeah, I, I do my quest. I'm slowly going through Karazhan. Like, I, ha I could be playing Karazhan right now. I have a new, like, um, a new section open but i haven't because that's how i feel about the game right now but uh, also i always have factory idol factoryidol.com open and if you like idle games oh my gosh <laughs> like that is it's not it's not really a clicker it's a mm. it's an idle game where you have a factory and you basically like it's a it's kind of like a, you know a city builder with conveyor belts so like oh i'm going to put like an iron iron ore buyer which is a two by two block. And then I'm going to make an iron foundry. And then I'm going to make a uh, conveyor belt that links the ore buyer to the foundry. So it pipes ore into the foundry and the foundry pipes out like processed iron. And then I can put that into iron to seller and that makes money over time, slowly and slowly. And then I have enough money to make now a steel foundry that can take like coal and iron. And eventually it, and you, and you can like, oh, I want to do some research things that take all these things and analyze them and give me research points so I can get new technologies. And eventually you have like multiple factories, which are like these giant piles of spaghetti conveyor belts with so many different things all piping into each other that are like making money, creating things so you can develop new technology. And every time you, like, you have an upgrade, like, oh, cool, now my like making uh, making plastic requires one less like coal buyer and like one gas buyer can uh can hook up can be hooked up to two different plastic factories to make one so now i have to rework my entire system because i can free up a good like 20 spaces and that lets me make another one so i can make more money and eventually it just becomes a nightmare of micromanagement but i love it so mm -hmm. much because it's so <laughs> peaceful you just look back at it and see all these little icons of like uh, matter being like processed and piped into many different things and it's just it's the greatest because my one of my favorite things to do is fitting th like i can fit anything i can fit everything into anything 
Like, I'm very good at packing, at filling a fridge, and this game is basically, like, what I like to do, but gamified. So I'm, mm. I, I love this thing, and... But if you're talking about, like, actual games, then, like, that people will go, yes, that is a game. Uh, I've been playing a lot of, uh, like, uh, No Man's Sky. I still really love that. It's, uh-huh. it's a great... It's a great game for podcasts. I've been playing a lot of... Um, well... If I don't count games I stream, I've been playing a lot of uh, Nuclear Throne and Enter the Gungeon because I love roguelikes. I, uh, I how's how how is Enter the Gungeon? And for me, I bought Nuclear Throne and I looked at Enter the Gungeon and I was like, it kind of looks like it looks very similar. Yep, um, Enter the Gungeon is about uh, is uh, is more methodical. Mm-hmm. Enter the Gungeon is basically um, like they both have like. Uh, a similar progression to them but the thing mm-hmm. is like enter the gungeon has like random bosses enter the gungeon is like room based you enter okay. a room you face enemy face off against enemies you defeat them you keep going to other rooms there's a shop somewhere it's much closer to more traditional roguelikes in that it's still okay. an action game but you have stuff right. where you can like dodge roll where you can um like a uh, push like flip tables to act as temporary cover that kind of stuff it's and you have way less health but it it's mm-hmm. it ends up being about as much the same health as nuclear throne but enter the gungeon is action movie kind of made designed to be a bullet hell with okay. very like you are dodging to avoid shots nuclear throne is you a game can last like 30 seconds it right. is not <laughs> it is not room based it is basically you have a chunk of open or semi-closed spaces you can go into. They're not linked by corridors, whatever. No, no, no. It's just, here's a blob of places. It, you, the whole level yeah. might just be a giant room. Good luck. And yeah. everything is incredibly fast. There's like, like yeah. Enter the Gungeon has reload times, has different weapons with different animation. Nuclear Throne has, you have a gun, it fires <laughs> endlessly until you run out of ammo. Go for yep. it. And it's yep. extremely fast, but also like... I adore that game. I, I love, love so that much. game so much. It's like, it, yeah. it's it's the game I play when I want to forget about everything. Yep, it ta- that's a good one. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it takes all of my attention, and you get into a really good like zone when playing it. It's it's yeah. a great game for that, and like it's, I love it so much that Rebel, one of the unlockable characters, was the first character I cosplayed. Oh, nice! Because yeah, that I, and so I got to go to PAX uh, West last year so and vlambeer had a had a booth with nuclear throne so i got to play nuclear throne i got to play rebel as a rebel and that was a fun moment oh, that's awesome but yeah that's like that that is my go-to it's still on my like when you open the little pop-up on steam it gives you like your last five games mm-hmm. like construct is always on there because i'm always making games but nuclear throne is always on there it's <laughs> and i'm like just waiting to play diaries of a spaceport janitor i'm just like I'm preparing mm. myself because I just want to have like a, a day where I can just do that and nothing else because <laughs> that game looks so much like my jam. That is like a game I need to play before I do my top 10 games of the year because mm-hmm. that looks like so, so, so good. But yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. And also I've been, um, thanks to that latest update on the 3DS, I've been playing that little, um, those new... Uh, Street Pass, Pass games. Yep. Mm. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I have I, to. I got the car one. Yeah, that's a good. That's the one to get. 
That is the one to get. <laughs> and I got the VIP update that lets me like send folks to the line. So now I have like 75 people just waiting. So I can Boy. just like have a, a full 10 people do all of the games and then say, okay, next 10 people in line, come in. And then I just like Ooh. run them through again. And it's like, it's it's still a hassle. Like you still have to manually open up the CDS. You have like a maximum right. of 10 people who like added to the street pass. And you have to say, okay, those 10 people, send them to the back of the line. And that frees them up. So you have to like do this every so often. But when you go to conventions, you're just like, you do right. this like 10 times and you have 100 people waiting. So cool. Now I can just like, yep. I've been playing since I got back from PAX. I still have like 75% of the line. Oh my tax. God. So yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> this, no, I can just keep playing that. If, yeah. The one, no, I was, oh, sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. Go ahead, Alan. The like two times that I've gone to PAX East uh, and brought my 3DS, it's like you walk in and even if you're like 45 minutes before they open, you're you're gonna hit your ten immediately, and then when you let those ten in, you already have more than ten waiting. Like you cannot. Yep. There are people who just have that in their right hand the whole time while they're at the convention because you can you will never run out. It's amazing. Yep. yep. And, and the great thing is now you don't actually just have to do anything with them. You just open it, back of the line, close it, yep. and then <laughs> once you're out of the convention, now you okay. Now I have a hundred people waiting to play, and now I can just actually play through all the games I never play. Like I I have all the puzzle pieces now. Whoa! I have all of them. Oh man! Oh, that's, that's, I don't have the new puzzle pieces. Like not all of them yet, but I do have like all the old ones at least. Yep, I have like I I I don't know if I have all of them. Maybe I missed one, but like it's it's good enough for me. There's a little badge, little gold badge next to the icon. Cool, I can move on. Satisfying. <laughs> yes. Uh, I've I've only had my 3ds for like a year now, and I went to my first convention uh, uh, last week. Uh, and so I'm still in that phase where I'm like, there's street passes. Oh my God, that person's from another state. This is yeah, fucking awesome. Yeah, yes. yeah. Japan. It's very exciting. Street, yeah, street passing is pretty cool. Like, oh my gosh, you met like enough. You met ten people. Like, you met one person on their birthday. Like, achievement. Yeah, I did that <laughs> recently. Mm. Yeah. It's the coolest. Yes. Uh, also, uh, a thing I've been playing every day now is something called. Uh, Clip Studio Paint Pro, which mm -hmm. is a drawing program because I've just right. been drawing every day. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really good. Ones. I recommend it. It's it, I, it might still be on sale. It's 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 a really good one. Yes. <laughs> All right, and with that, we're gonna head to a break. We will be right back uh, to talk about Mirror's Edge. Awesome.
And we're back, and we're here to talk about Mirror's Edge for a shared experience. Uh, it is was developed by Dice, released in 2008. Uh, Alex, the way this usually works is we usually let the guest go first in talking about the game. Uh, but I feel like Mirror's Edge is a special case, and I feel like I want to get everybody else's perspective first before we go to you. Is that all right? Absolutely. Let's do that. It's all like right. when when, uh, when someone asks me, do you want the good news or the bad news first? My answer is always <laughs> whichever order is more dramatically appropriate or funny. <laughs> like, no, you, you, there's Perfect. an order that's going to have a bigger payoff. Go for it. I'm all ears. <laughs> all right. Uh, Kitty, I'll let you go first. Okay, so um, bringing back the Palette Watch 2016. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, this game looks amazing. It is absolutely gorgeous. And, um, like, I love the, like, bright, bright, bright whites, the primary colors, and, like, how the levels have, like, different colors that are kind of associated with them. So, like, mm-hmm. visually, you can kind of, like, reference a chapter, at least in my mind. So... I think that is really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I love the soundtrack, um, especially like that opening song and like the song that plays in the menu when it's like start game thing. I just heard that and I was like, "Ooh, this is this is lovely. This suits my needs. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And I also like um, as far as uh, like being able to actually see the character's body um because normally in like first person games you know you can just see like the hands um but in this like you can actually see faith like rolling and running and sliding and all kinds of stuff and you know when you do the rolls it's like an actual like rolling perspective so i think that's really cool i i Um, I absolutely despise any game any first person game where i look down i don't see my body no I yes. I can't anymore. Like not 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 in this day. Yeah, I feel the same way actually, and I always make fun of it. Um, because like where we see hands in like first person games is like completely unrealistic to where like you would actually hold your hands in a real life situation. So, mm-hmm. but I, I like this game a lot for how it presents the body and stuff like that. Um, as far as like gameplay though, it makes me really anxious. <laughs> especially when i'm jumping that's i think that's the worst for me when i was like when you have to like jump across buildings or like jump from one thing to the other i'm like oh oh i'm gonna fall nine times out of ten (laughs) i do fall i'm really bad at games like this because i normally play like strategy games or like top-down rpgs or stuff like that where i don't have to like very precisely control my character like make these crazy movements this is kind of a struggle for me but that's okay um i don't know uh i thought it could get kind of repetitive um but other than that i i definitely like for me um like the story is really important um as well as like the visual aspect of a game um and i did enjoy the story i didn't fully understand like every aspect so i had to like look it up later um Mm -hmm. after i played the game to be like okay i just need to make sure i know what happened with every character because to me it felt like i was introduced to everybody really quickly and i was like i don't Mm -hmm. know who these people are but um so um i guess like 
those are my major complaints. Um, it's just that like jumping made me really scared, Aww. and <laughs> um, yeah, it got difficult at times and like frustrating. I will say that I'm not one to like rage at games yeah. or anything like that. I don't normally like do the slammy thing or like get angry, but I was like, <sighs> please. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, that uh, was my Alan- Yeah, Alan, what do you think? Ah. <sighs> <laughs> first of all regarding every level has a color uh fuck the red level but <laughs> the red level was the one so ryan and i were on we do this thing everyone whenever we play a game for the cast we like we'll be on a skype call and just like chat while we both play it and i was on the red level for the whole call pretty much because which I, which what, level is this um it's primarily indoors there's a lot of red lead uh red pipes and you have to go up to a, a little room in an office and hit a button inside to open up like a conveyor belt that you then slide into and, and run away from some people. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's probably rope burn. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's correct. Mm-hmm. It's towards the end. Um, I so I played this game for the first time in 2012 because at that time it was like, oh, I you know have a medium sized pc backlog and i'd like to see what this game's all about like actually get to play it because i'd always heard like it had some good ideas but they never really came together and i kind of liked it but i was frustrated at the time and this recent playthrough of it i was just really consistently fascinated by how much it says about 2008 in games both from like a design and a cultural perspective that it was like really cool that there's like these female protagonists whereas like that's a lot more normal now and not as much of like a subversive thing mm-hmm. and just like the fact that it exists as a sort of definitely unique and ambitious gameplay concept for a game that's published by electronic arts like mm-hmm. you know the company who now is like the battlefield people um and dice as well you know developing it uh like that type of game but from that kind of publisher doesn't happen so much anymore. And so like it's really great to see like, oh, this was a thing that we were okay with and like these types of games existed for a while and then they kind of fell out of favor because it didn't sell well enough. Um, and, you know, they eventually got to make another one. But and we can talk about how this game differs from what they changed in Catalyst. I don't know. I don't know how, which of us has played Catalyst, but from what I've seen of it, it seems like the big thing is that they shaved off a lot of the edges. Um and kind of like made it a lot more easy. <laughs> did yep. you mean to do that? I didn't, but now I know. Now I'm happy for it. I'm happy that I All did. All right. <laughs> they shaved off a lot of those those harsh glass edges. Um, and I don't know. I just I love the sense of weight. I love the sense of momentum. It's and that is like the part that rubs me is when it doesn't work and when I lose momentum. And it feels like I am playing like guess the game designer's intent, kind of mm. like we were talking about in segment one. That is the those are the parts of a game that would like bother me and make me angry. It's like I know I want to go forward, I don't know how, and I don't know how they expect me to do it. And once I get it, if I spent too long waiting, I'm like, no, I this didn't feel good. But every once in a while you have those moments like Katie said where you're like terrified of a jump and you're like, There's no way I can make this. The animation when you fail a jump is horrifying and yes. awful. Yes. Oh my oh. gosh, and then the smashing sound And the sound, the yeah. <laughs> It's it's awful. <laughs> and then when you make it, you're like, yes, I can do any of these things. And like those moments yeah. make it all worth it. But like ugh, the parts where I wasn't going places and I was stuck were just it, it was, you know, it bumped me out. But I'm, I'm curious because I know you, you love it a lot, Alexandra and Ryan. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that my feelings on this game kind of mirror Alan's mirror. Um, 
Oh, I can't believe I just did you that. Did I had, uh, Ryan, I had faith in you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I really want to like this game a lot. Uh, like you said, it's got a great look. It looks incredible. Uh, when it works, it works incredibly well. There's nothing else like it when you're just in the flow of things and you're running through the platforms and you're hitting all the things you need to hit. It's amazing. Uh, but I felt like it just the it just broke too often for me and I found too many places where I either didn't know what to do or I knew what to do and for some reason couldn't pull it off mechanically or uh in the instance of where I rage quit forever with the tower, <laughs> the tower, uh, the shard, which, um, it's I think it's chapter six or seven. We it's oh it's Kate. Kate is the name of the mission. Oh and it's yes, the big big orange one. Oh, and you're, you're talking I, about my favorite level. Yes, please go on. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But there's the tower, and I fell off of it once. But I you don't like, die. I fell off a ledge. And I just fell straight to the bottom, and I had to redo the tower again. And I was like, nope, I'm going to watch Alex's playthrough. I'm done. <laughs> I'm putting my hands up. I'm getting too frustrated. Uh, so just stuff like that, that, uh, you know, I, again, I don't want to sound like I'm hating on it too much. Um, <laughs> because I really like it at its core. Just like, there's just so many things that i find frustrating about it but uh there are there you can see why this is or why this could be someone's favorite game um and so i will throw it to you alex Mm. talk about one of your favorite games that we just all trashed on so where where is that yes it's okay no but yeah seriously um (laughs) yeah like the, the level kate you talk about is one of my favorite because it's it's the moment where like everything else seems to quiet down and you just have to mm-hmm. climb and the music is my favorite track in yep. the soundtrack and it's yeah, just it's like actually a good yeah. track you're right it's really like the it's not quite as frenetic and final examy as the shard the final level but it's just really like like mm-hmm. this is this is it this is the opportunity show what you can do and it is hard there are some parts of it that are frustrating uh, it's not optimal but it feels like pure. It really feels like that is this is what Mirror's Edge is about. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of this game because I played it when it came out. It's my first platinum on uh, on the PlayStation, uh, mm. and like oh, the speed runs were so hard. Oh my <laughs> gosh, it was so hard to get those speed runs. You can get like three stars in every level. It's like you have to rethink how everything works. And uh, it's mm-hmm. it's it's it was really punishing to play the game that way, but it's also like really interesting. And I just like to go. I frequently go back to Mirror's Edge and just play it. Uh, and like I did earlier that year, this is where I recorded the playthrough. And I love that game because like uh, it's well, it's it's interesting. Also, you mentioned like the female protagonist because there are four women in that world. Yep. Mm-hmm. Every like you encounter dozens and dozens and dozens of dudes. Right. Um, or <laughs> who Literally zero female enemies. Well, yeah, exactly. Except, 
Well, yeah, it's, it's, let's, let's, aside right. from like unique named characters, but yeah, it's right. like, um, uh, the, the, like primarily every single character you see in the game is male presenting except from four people, you, your sister, a fellow yeah. runner and one of the newscasters. And that's pretty much it. And like, and the thing is like, that was revolutionary in that time. It, it, yeah. it kind of still is. And that's kind of like messed up, but it's all, it's yeah. weird, but it's also like something, it's like, it's that weird mix of yes, more like this. Keep going. This is good. Also, it's way not enough. But yeah, yeah it's like mm-hmm. enough positive so that you keep doing, but also a little of encouragement so that you you do way better because like, no, seriously, like, yes, thank you for like, thank you for feeding me on day 39 of like this trip. Cause like, we're really close to like what the, when the Mahdi like is about to, to like to peter out. Yeah. Could you do it more often next time in maybe bigger portions? Like, but just keep doing it. Cause like, that's important what you're doing here. But yeah. And, um, Unless I'm mistaken, also Dice is the one who's working on Battlefield One. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where they basically like they they at the start they said like yeah yeah we're gonna like put like uh, women soldiers in there and they basically backtrack and says no like no no women soldiers in the game multiplayer turns out because our main audience of boys wouldn't find it realistic and meanwhile you have videos <sighs> of like three people piggybacking on a horse. And planes doing <laughs> yep. standstill one meter off the ground, and people clipping through walls, and horses halfway yep. into buildings, and but women would be unrealistic. Yep, I mean women don't exist in the real world. Yeah, they're just and... not there. We're just not there. <laughs> yeah, and like I was at a convention recently, and like I, I, there was a game with like a bunch of like uh, procedurally generated characters, like um, they the thing where like oh you pick like many different types of faces hairs and be- beards and stuff like that and says hey do you have like women it's like nah we're a small studio we didn't have the budget and like oh what? oh my god you, you are literally making a system with cartoon characters it is like you just had to like change some of your hair options to add a ponytail and i would have been okay with it there's like many ta- many things you could have done to go way beyond but you didn't even do the minimum so like don't even give me the it wouldn't cost like it would cost too much. No, no, it's just it's a mentality thing. But Mirror's Edge, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, Mirror's Edge, like it, it's a game that's important to me because, um, like, I love the feeling of running. It's I haven't really played another game, and that was like the first game I played that really like lets you free run in first person, and I haven't really had that experience elsewhere, and I just loved it because I was a big fan of all of the kind of parkour moves that you see. Oh yeah, the wall runs, the jumps, the stuff, and the fact that you can do them in the game with uh, like these, um, like uh, as a more or less superhero, because that's not how physics works. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Faith, Faith is, inc- is an incredible specimen of humanity that she can like run alongside walls and do perpendicular jumps and survive great falls and have infinite like, um, infinite like uh, 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 stamina. Yeah, stamina to like uh, upper body strength and stuff like that. And it's, but that's how gaming works. At some point, you have to make the game interesting. Uh, and I just love everything about it. And that, that moment when you get that flow and you, and the game is made very much to keep um, making it feel as though you're just barely making it through with, with the skinny, like, uh, yeah. which is like, mm-hmm. just, you, you're a hair from death every time. And I, I right. love that because it makes you feel really awesome. And the story I find interesting because it's, you don't save the world. 
Right. And I also felt like it. A lot of it was left like, oh no, like here is this. Uh, what are we gonna do? Like type thing. Yeah. The like the ending basically like you you. It's it basically starts with a your clandestine runners like uh like ferrying like a uh, black market information and stuff between people through the rooftops and oh something is happening and uh, like you're encountering police officers who say stop or we'll shoot and then immediately start shooting you uh, yep. throughout the entire game and um and that is all like straight up chilling especially mm-hmm. today and um mm-hmm. it's like uh it's you quickly you're involved oh you're like you're involved in some sort of like murder cover up framing thing and it stakes get really high and you have a lot of people who basically want you dead because like to make you probably make you into a scapegoat of some sort but uh it all stays very low key it's always about oh there's like oh this private security firm and uh, like the you don't ever really meet a, a lot of people higher ups like the high the, the talk a lot about like Mayor Callahan and like the police and so on, but you rarely meet any of the, the higher ups. You meet like excuse me, excuse me, Alex. The blues. I'm <laughs> sorry. Every time they say the blues, the blues. in this game, yes, yes, right, because it's always color based. Yes, mm-hmm. like um, you never meet anyone <laughs> higher up in law enforcement other than your contact, the person like who you you talk the the um the uh avatar of whiteness because that's that's <laughs> interesting in this game is like white is so prevalent because colors yeah. are important so the backdrop is always white and like, even the trees are white the leaves are white right they are killing trees or making fake trees mm-hmm. just to preserve the aesthetics of this city and that's freakish when you stop to think about it because like white leaves can't actually like white is terrible at gathering like Life. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> like, these are probably either trees that are dead or dying, or just fake trees. Or someone, someone brought up an interesting perception. Like maybe this is just how Faith sees the world. She sees mm-hmm. red because that's or that's basically how. Like, okay, yeah, this is where I need to go, and just basically like abstracts the rest of the world. But the fact that like the um, I forget his name, but uh, the the uh, Mister Two Guns, who like is like one of the. Uh, one of the higher ups with the blues, um, he like his entire body and hair, everything is white. Basically, basically, I think this probably just speaks to, like, yeah, he is part of the like the city, the establishment, the right. the status quo that you're fighting mm-hmm. against. And Faith herself is very colorful, and like mm-hmm. also your um, your sister also has like she's dressed, of course, in like in in, in the blues, but she's she does have a color and. She also got kind of got like uh, she, she gives a positive spin to the color blue, which I like because I, I like the color blue myself, and <laughs> right. it's it's yeah. really interesting to see like yeah and like oh. you said how they work with colors throughout this game and the like oversaturation is just it's it's amazing also because it makes a good reference point and it's a good like a, a few points in some of the levels and I rewatched my playthrough and I went through this in some in some instances like oh now we're into orange okay now we're into green and basically like right. you change you um it's kind of like a little uh, uh you change a beat you change a chapter says okay we're still in this we're still technically in this chapter but now now we just switched environments just through the the colors mm-hmm. and that that's 
that's like visually speaking like the the visual design was top-notch in this game and but yeah the overall the plot never goes beyond the like agents and people of the system without ever you don't ever talk to the bosses or the people in charge they're just there and the culmination of the game spoiler alert for well people who are listening should have probably played mirror's edge right Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> We're always assuming okay. that they yeah, played yeah. the game. It's like the culmination of the game is you eliminating a lackey. Right. Basically. And basically like the, the culmination of the game is you save your sister and manage to get her away and people are still looking out for you. They're you just like you tricked the guards into shooting their own servers. So like, oh now the surveillance <laughs> is hard, so you can actually make your getaway with your sister who's not as great as a runner as you. Um, also, there's a bit of an abstraction because before you jump on the helicopter at the end, um, there are mm-hmm. uh, like armed soldiers behind you. And when you fall back onto the building, they don't show them. So <laughs> either as Jackknife was falling, he miraculously shot them both when while he was shooting wildly or the helicopter like did something to them or they just said, this is messed up. Let's go. And just left. <laughs> this is just because- bad. Yeah, because like the other only other option is, is immediately when credits roll, Faith and her sister turn around and the gar- and the soldiers are there. Okay, you're coming with us. And that's kind of grim. So I, I like to think that, no, okay, something happened to the soldiers and something happened so that Faith and Kate can manage to make her way off of this building. And basically, it's not perfect. The, like, things are still messed up. But, like, they managed to find uh, some sort of respite and safety for a brief moment and i i think that's enough and like wrapped in this whole game also and that's the way i always play is the concept that you do you don't have to kill anyone like mm-hmm. you're you you can you can't go through the whole game without shooting a gun because at some point you need to use a sniper rifle to disable a vehicle right and like that could just be game design as in hey that'd be cool Uh, or it could just like there could be some meaning attached to it in that like no there is like sometimes you need to use like you need to use a weapon but you don't actually have to kill anyone with it and hopefully the people in that truck are okay and made it out just fine because you don't see them you just go into the truck see your sister and you go so i'm just assuming that these people are okay (laughs) <laughs> yeah but yeah the 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 whole like i love this game because and especially when you do the speed runs when you do the speed runs um i'm not sure if it's possible but a lot of the times the fastest way and the best way quote unquote is to not engage anyone ever yeah and just mm-hmm. slip past them make it through like before they even have a chance to get into attack formation you're gone and mm-hmm. like the the just the fact that the game lets you, like, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, like, requires you, locks you into rooms, and forces you to beat people up. Uh, Mirror's Edge, the first one, never does this. You can always find a way out. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is incredibly hard and might, n- <laughs> like, be, inc- like, impractical, but it is possible. The- the room where you have to turn the valve and there's like yeah that one that room. one yep. that yep, was where i gave ugh. up trying to not fight anyone that's exactly where i did yep that's that's all the room where i have to like okay i have to beat some of these people up and like like make them like knocked out for a while i'm sorry i had to resort to this 
but at least like they made it out alive like i didn't actually yeah. that's 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 the thing yeah the it's not a perfect game it's not a perfect lesson but you don't have to kill and just that a game like the like mix of like uh playing a lady and not having to kill anyone that really like touches me that is like yes this is these are my core principles like we can all get along we can resolve our differences without like having to forcibly end one another and i think more games mm-hmm. should do that and like undertale and <laughs> the the greatest thing about this game and it's the way it ends because it's a whole game about taking incredible risks and basically the whole game is you're trying to keep like you are used to a way of life and you're and it's things are rapidly changing and the environment is being uh, altered to wipe you out and you want to stay alive so it's a bit of it's a kind of thing of you want to maintain your own status quo too but that status quo is being alive and that's that's important but mm-hmm. the um like the character faith herself throughout the game is very single-minded and stubborn and she like she is very dead set in her ways and there's not a lot of like um evolution that way she's very much like no we're doing this i'm going to save my sister this is how we're going to do this we're good and doesn't like uh there there's never any talk at least i don't remember of like let's change how we are this this situation let's change how we are working let's maybe try to adapt or evolve no it's like we need to protect our way of life and i think that's perfectly fine but it also leads like it's 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 like again not probably not what the developers intended but to <laughs> me this reaches out to me as like yes i'm someone who has a hard time making difficult decisions i'm someone who will fight to make sure that everyone gets theirs and is happy and i'm i i'm i compromise first and foremost and it takes me a while to like make hard decisions and i am also someone who will like stick with something that is uncomfortable for a very long time bef- because like no it's i'm scared of like what what could happen if i go too far and if i make a big decision so i i have i am satisfied with this bit of uncomfortable safety and i'll keep at it and right at the end right before mm-hmm. you you finish the game um the uh basically the antagonist like drops this perfect line that basically like <laughs> opened my eyes and goes well, yeah like, yeah person i'm about to send screaming to their death you have a good point there and it's you can't live on the edge all your life sooner or later you have to jump and like in game this is amazing because as it says you have to jump the uh like pipe right above his head turns red and that tells right. you oh i have to jump there but it also very much like i i feel it's a super good life lesson because like yeah it's interesting to like try different things and waver and like consider options but like you can't live your whole life in an uncomfortable like standstill because like you you like you're the frog in the pot that hasn't boiled over yet you're still okay like it's mm-hmm. it's okay to take your time and consider the options and try to compromise but eventually you have to make a choice you have to like make a leap forward 
in your life. And that like that line stuck with me a lot. And I've been like trying to keep it in mind and like implement it really because like I used to be the most indecisive person in the world. But I still am. Yeah. <laughs> and like it's it's now I'm I'm st- I still have bouts where I have like a hard time making a decision. But now I've realized, oh, um, there is a point where if you wait for something for long enough, you get used to it. You get used to not having it. And right. like you there are things you haven't considered as a designer. Like I can plan and plan as much as I want to make like the best game possible, but until I actually put it in the hands of players, there are things I won't be aware of. And mm-hmm. I can consider the options. I can be afraid of bad outcomes, but until I actually dive in, I won't know. And mm-hmm. I, I might like have the worst possible like uh, uh, um, like the worst possible thoughts and um, assumptions about what could be waiting for me but at some point i have to just like go ahead and do it and make a decision and that's like make like most of my uh most of the great things that have happened to me in the past year or more have been because i have made up my darn mind and take and made a decision and chose a over b or b over a and just did something took us like a step i jumped and oh my gosh, it's been such a a world of difference for my life and for like the the people I interact with and the things I've done. And I I love this game so much because in the through the fact that I love playing it and then I play it often and I love that it can like it has this message of like like uh, conditional pacifism where okay beating up people yeah maybe but you don't like you can you can like give people a hard time but let them learn from their mistakes and live on afterwards mm-hmm. and become better people mm-hmm. but you don't have to kill anyone and oh by the way make up your mind whichever way you go but pick one and go because we only have so much time even though we have plenty of time left but wherever we are it's high time we actually did something and that's probably not what the developer is intended, but that's how I interpret <laughs> the game. And I like to yeah. give it this great big life lesson. And that's part of why this game is special to me. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. It's, it's inspiration hour with Alexandra. Yeah, pretty yes. much. <laughs> Positive cast 2016. Yes. Have I, have I mentioned my mother's a life coach? yeah that's awesome uh because you you mentioned that on the stream but i was like well what does she mean specifically by that Hmm. um yeah that perfectly i was gonna ask about it you answered everything that i was gonna ask (laughs) i'm so sorry (laughs) no no no, you're all you're great great um is there anything else we want to talk about with mirror's edge Mm-hmm. Or is this a... the the valve, the valve uh, was... animations could have been faster? <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> Gosh. Um, uh, um. Yeah. Go ahead, Katie. I do want to say, like, I think it's funny how, um, like everybody I've talked to about this has had very mixed reactions. Um, hmm. because, like, one of my friends is like, "This is 
my top one in my top five favorite games for sure it's absolutely beautiful and blah 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 whereas like other people i've talked to have been like it was really boring and really repetitive and i didn't like the visuals and it was just a bad game and i'm like <sighs> okay <laughs> i love that about it can i say that that's yeah. like the same, best thing same. but i just i find it so interesting that this game has like such polarized reactions to it i suppose so. yeah yeah it's very like like I said this earlier, but you can see someone's favorite game in yeah. it, and like there's just nothing else like it, you know. Uh, yeah. And just when like like I said, like when the flow works, and when you're just jumping around, and everything works well, like hands down, like one of the best experiences. Um, but yeah, it does have its problems, and yeah, I could see why it's so polarizing, because um, it's it's yeah, it's it's short, it's a little repetitive, but uh, you know, it's one of those like a sign of an interesting game is when it has differing opinions like that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, like oh, sorry. No, uh, I, okay. Yeah, it's just that they design wise they chose to give the player a lot of freedom when it comes to controls. You compare that with like Assassin's Creed, where you just hold a button and your character will free run right. and keep going. Here, you have a lot of control over every single movement of your character, which means that uh, movement, which is like the main focus of the game, is very complex. But it means it's also very rewarding. So there is a skill like a level of skill you have to put into the game before you find it rewarding. And I think that also might mm-hmm. put a lot of people off, which means it, it's not a very accessible game because of it. Right. Uh, so, and also like, yeah, it's, I love, part of why I love this game is that because it's very much like the games I make, it's like, it's a, it's a strange quirky game that you don't see a lot of, but the concept makes you go, huh, I'd like to try that. Like that's, that's my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like ultimately for me, my journey with Mirror's Edge actually mirrored Faith's sort of like travels. And I did do that intentionally by saying mirrored twice. Um, (laughs) Because like you said, the whole thing is that she isn't like you're not coming to this game to save the world. Like, no, nothing Mm. gets improved at the end of it. You, you know, you went you go out and you find out that your sister has been framed and you find out who did it. And all of it is you finding out that things were already fundamentally broken in a way that you didn't even fathom before, like mm. you as Faith, because it's a first person game. Mm-hmm. And then you go, well, everything is, you know, corrupt from from within. Like every runner that I know and that I meet in this game was working for the other side, including Celeste, including uh, the shitty guy at the end. Um, <laughs> like every everybody except, I guess, the comms guy. But you know, he, oh, I, he yes, Merc. Love Merc. Love that he always has to say faith and then tells me to kill people and I don't want to kill people. Yeah, and of course, Merc gets <laughs> yeah. it. But, like, I think I think Krieg is okay. We don't see Krieg dying. We don't hear about Krieg dying. Unless unless I'm forgetting about something. So I think at least Krieg is okay. Is Krieg like, the double pistols guy? No, uh, Krieg is the uh, runner who helps, who checks on you when you fall through a glass ceiling and then oh, says yeah. like go on go on and then you run away with him and in that moment <laughs> he doesn't help you up he just makes sure you're okay and then you get yeah. up under your own power and you accompany him mm-hmm. and that's a little exactly. a tiny detail that i love and it meant that some animators went oh cool we don't have to have two models interact <laughs> <laughs> exactly right it's, it's, it's a good thing I, I really liked it there's a lot of yeah. clever like 
handoffs between the different people who worked on this game. Like every cutscene that leads into a level ends with a like zooming into the shot that's going to become where your camera starts. Mm. So they don't have to like do a transition because it's just like cut to black and then hey, you're exactly where that cutscene ended. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. But like, so, so Faith finds out that everything. Whoops, sorry. Did Faith finds out that she's not here to the save the. I kicked my mic by accident with my hand, or like kind of knocked it. Um, kicked it with my hand. Yes, a hand kick, if you will. <laughs> she does. She finds out that the world is not hers to save, and you, the player, find out that like this isn't a game. This is like the people who hate it are going at it. I think. Um, with the intent of like winning and like getting to the end quickly and trying to be and trying to do it without getting stuck. But when you stop and like kind of smell the roses and really like fill out the space that you're traversing through and come to like understand it and ultimately overcome it, it's a much more enjoyable game if you can be patient. Mm. Um, so, so that's kind of like how I think that the two things mirror each other again. The jokes are <laughs> nonstop here, here on Fireside Friends. Like it's just that stuff works for me. And so, like, the parts that were annoying to me were when I was like, I just want to go further. Like, I don't like being indoors in this game. I like hitting top speed. I know what I like, and I'm not always getting the part that I like. I'm not always getting my constant dopamine fix. Hmm. Like, that's fine. That's, you know, it's it's about uh, games and uh, basic level are about, like, controlling your dopamine fix. Like, when and when, when and when not to make you happy. And how to, like, control and manipulate that emotion. Uh and yeah, I also just adored the ending, and you pretty much said all of the other stuff that was in my notes. I have since <laughs> thrown away my notes because oh no, <laughs> well you got all of it, you nailed all of it. It's great. Oh, uh, Lieutenant Miller. Yes, that's that's double, that's double pistols, pistols McGee. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta love him. <laughs> Who's with with the I? I really like his style personally. He has like this sleeveless vest. Yeah. Over a button-up shirt. That's that's some good stuff. He could use we... more color, but I, I really like it. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, there's, yeah. There's also just a funny difference between the way that the story is told in the insurance cutscenes and, like, <laughs> we... <laughs> I guess I'm not the first person to make that joke, but it's... No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Especially the, now, I... they look pretty dated, but yeah. Exactly. I kind of yeah. like them. I think there's parts of them that look really rough, but it's like, oh, well, someone worked yep. on this. Like, this is very bespoke and yeah, unique, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Overall, I really like them. Mm-hmm. Um... So there's a difference between that storytelling and then, like, this game also comes from, like, an earlier era of environmental storytelling, like a pre-Gone Home kind of world, where all of the background info about the world is filled in through those fucking elevator uh, newsreels. Yes, yes. Um, I, I love those. Yeah. Is your child running? Yep. The new threat to your <laughs> children's safety, running. Yes. Is <laughs> your child getting exercise in outside of school hours? You better keep, you, you better check that. Oh, my God. I loved all of those. That's, like taking itself seriously but it's still cheesy like that is my that is my aesthetic in a nutshell yep and is i also like those because like like one of the newscasters is a woman I'm like yes fourth woman in the world and right um <laughs> i it's yeah the the background I- info is like i love games like this that give you like i wish there was more of it and i re- like as a design as a gra- former graphic designer well, a current graphic designer i really love checking out all the signage yeah, because there was some really mm-hmm. like great restraints that no like big co- like one single color and then white, go with that. Oh, and people like really ran with it and like had some really cool things going on in like the mall. Except the mall, the map in the mall was made in Microsoft Word, and it's like <laughs> it's the worst map in the world. Like it yeah. looks like I made it, and it's <laughs> it, it's 
it's I wonder how that got in and maybe it was just like temp art that didn't get replaced or whatever or just it's a commentary on like yeah yeah mall isn't open yet this is just a really crappy map but uh, to go back to like the the uh, cutscenes one thing I really liked is that at one point Miller pulls a gun on um on Faith and saying yeah. like hey I'm in deep water here um I need to I need to, to take you in because then that'll like help me out and Faith quickly like grabs his other gun and gets a standoff and then immediately gives him back the gun like th yeah. there's no threat here it's just like hey i can do this again like yeah don't threaten me you are better than this and it just makes me go like yes ah i love the these little tidbits in the game that cutscene definitely mm -hmm. felt like it supported the my play style which was like i'm definitely never going to shoot a gun in this game unless i absolutely have to but um, and I love jump kicking and slide kicking for days. Yes. And the moment where I first discovered that you can wall run and then transition that into a kick yep. was amazing. There's a moment uh. like very early in the game when you're on top of a building and they like cue you up for that. And you're like, oh my God, this is like, I feel like I've conquered this game's systems because they never told you how to do that. Mm. There's plenty of tutorializing with the Celeste stuff, but that's a moment that I was like, I figured that out and I learned that you can do that. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it was way more rewarding in that than in Jedi Academy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Because <laughs> Jedi Academy is a game like, oh, you just gain all these wonderful, amazing acrobatic powers, but the game never tells you, and you never need to use them. But yeah, Mirror's Edge is like... But you just have like, all of them. Slowly encouraging you, like, hey, this is clearly the only path. You got this. You just need to, like, use the tools at your disposal. And sometimes, like, there's some jumps that are spaced out just long enough that's like, you go, oh, right, I can do this. And there's a little bit, but, you know, there's, like, the bullet time, just so you can like get the timing down and i yeah, like it's that just that's the aim jumps basically mm. i but yeah then my like that was the one cool moment and then the my the rest of my combat play style was just to do what she does in that cutscene, which is to see the enemy take their gun and then throw it the fuck away because yep. they can't have it anymore no exactly the, yeah. no so that gun, you're just de-arming the enemy <laughs> that gun is on timeout you can't get it yes exactly th <laughs> that was like a great like again I'm thinking like, oh, that one's been a great game design moment. Like, oh, what if you disarm enemies? Well, what do we do with enemies then? Do they like fist fight you? Can they go pick up a weapon? Where does the weapon go? And says, no, 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 no. Disarming also knocks an enemy out. Like, okay, cool. Hey, this solves a lot of problems. Right. That you don't it's, have to it, think about anymore. And then they introduce the karate enemies who can like kill you because you looked at them and you're like, well, <laughs> I can't really conquer I, this. I can I've run. I've never really engaged them. I just go like, oh, you're here. Bye. And then yeah, exactly. like, ran, ran away. Yeah. Though I do like that. Most of, some of the most efficient enemies in the game use non-lethal weaponry. I think yeah. Like zap sticks. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, dog, that's what you need right. to do. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I, I love this game. I and like the the last level is also very interesting. Like the shard, just the fact that there's this giant tower, and at some point you have to like go out one side, loop around other buildings, yep. go back in. There's the the great part at the end, where great depending on how you perceive it, where you have like you call the elevator and you have to wait for it to arrive, but there's people shooting at you, so yep. you you had the thing where you're like waiting for the elevator and dodging, and like ding, good, I can go. And I, I think I wonder if I did that in my playthrough, but I basically just like didn't hear the ding so i basically had to run to the elevator and hope it was open mm -hmm. there's so many like there's good they do good things with elevators a few times you escape elevators in different ways and that's some some good use of those like 
meager tools that level designers have at their disposal. And thankfully, and, there are very few times where you need to squeeze against a wall and shimmy. Yeah. That, that you, you can find some of the packages that way, but the packages are another like 2008 game design relic where it's like, you did this yep. so that I would explore your levels further, but this doesn't give me anything other than the like feeling that I saw more of the level than other people, I guess. Mm. Um, or I kept an eye out for the runner symbol. Um, and then just, yeah, the clever thing about this, like secret clever thing about the elevators is you always run through them because you think that you're being chased and they're right behind you. But yep. the real secret is they close and the enemies despawned a while ago. Like, yep. you're, in, you're in no real danger when you <laughs> yeah, it's okay. close the elevator. Though there, there are like a good, like, um, uh, I, I do like, like when you're chasing uh, Jackknife and you go into his elevator and he's just like waving at you when the doors close. And you're like, ah, oh, damn it, so you have to take, you can take the next one over. But like, just, that's like a very good, it's a very well-timed moment just to make you like go, I've, yes, I've been in that situation in real life where like the, the door is closed and there's someone laughing at me inside. Right. <laughs> well, maybe not, not specifically. Not exactly. Yeah, but yeah, yes. but. I like the moment where you're chasing Jackknife and dude's on the, dude's yelling at you like, oh, you got to get him. But then he just like stops every five seconds yep. for me to catch oh, up. Oh, and I love that <laughs> at some point when I was doing the speed run um, uh, of that uh, of that level, eventually you get so fast that he teleports ahead. Yeah, oh, <laughs> you're not meant to be this fast. It's an opposite <laughs> of an escort mission. <laughs> you're too fast of the escort. Yep. And so you can catch up to him real easily, and then he's like, uh, "I need to be ahead of you for this game to work." Yes. Same thing with the Celeste yeah. fight, where it's like. In this, <laughs> mm. yes, I, <laughs> that I have, fight is I have, so funny. I, I love, I love the setup to the Celeste fight. But go ahead. It's just it's so funny because yeah, the setup is great, and then you chase her, and you're like, yeah, I'm here, and you don't even know who it is at this point. But the like because the combat can be a little bit awkward. Like it's designed that you're fighting against people who can't fight back. So when you finally do fight up against someone who fights back, it's for me at least, it was a game of. We're both like she played exactly like I did, which is that she would run to the far end of the the sort of crate that we were on top of, run towards me, and then jump kick. So just imagine two women jump kicking back and forth and missing repeatedly. <laughs> yes, like, jump, yes. jump kick, turn around, jump kick for like five minutes before I realized that if you switch it up, then you can trick her. And I was like, wow, this is she's got like some good AI going on. Yep. And I I love the fact that well I okay love is a weird word to use. I find it interesting <laughs> that, uh, and again, this goes to like, hey, if people did this more often, then it would result in a better experience. But the only time that uh, they start to use gender-neutral pronouns to refer to Celeste while she is still the unknown contact for rope burn is right. when mm -hmm. you arrive at the top of the boat and she's shooting at you with a sniper rifle. That's when Merck starts using gender neutral pronoun before that it was always him or someone was like get him and mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. very clear when that switch over happens mm -hmm. and i'm thinking yeah if if throughout the whole game there had been more use of the singular they then hey then this wouldn't be so jarring so hey folks right. learn to use the singular they it's <laughs> it's real good it's there for it's a reason and chances are you've already been using it it's super handy yep and it's not real it's not real. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's my that's my favorite thing when it says like like no no that's like just that's just a or not about the singular they like about the 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 use of it but sometimes when say like 
oh this like uh like mm-hmm. they them or like the or other made up pronouns like hey hey i have some things to tell you about every single other word in the dictionary they're yeah. all made up they're <laughs> yeah, all yeah. made up all the words are fake <laughs> My one of my favorite tweets, I think, is like a comment on some forum or whatever, and whatever guy is just like, "Yeah, I don't regard their pronouns," and like you just you just use they, you just you use just, they yeah. to say that <laughs> you don't care about their pronouns. Yeah, it's it's like it's getting people to understand. Hey, there's there's no director of English. There's no like yeah. CEO. There's no English canon. Yeah, there's no CEO of English. Like there's. No, language evolves and like people like through how people use and there's a whole like debate with linguists over that. But no, no, right. like, languages are kind of like this. This is what happens. And, like we can't have invented all the words like centuries <laughs> ago because that's not how that works. And yeah. the yeah, the the things happened that you're not aware of before you became sentient. Right. Things <laughs> <laughs> existed before you and they'll exist after you. Yeah, it's it's and also like that's that that kind of goes hand in hand with a revelation that like hey like I'm in an airport and like looking at like people because I, I go to like conventions a lot and I go look outside and check out the people like handling the baggage, uh, driving those little like tugs around, and I see like the the uh, the airplane crew getting on board and stuff like that. Like there is no one here, like quite probably, who was there when this airport was built. Which right. means that everyone yeah. here has been told and trained by other people to do their job. And these people that trained them also did the same thing. So basically everyone is just working on an assumed like common body of lessons that lots of people have passed down. So like, yeah, everyone is just like doing their best, but there's no like giant authority of like, oh, I am like the... I I have created this airport and I run this airport. I have created this business. I run this business. Yes, like this that is actually a thing. But like in <laughs> giant multinationals, yeah. now that's becoming less and less true. And like this, yeah, oh gosh, when you realize like the people running your city, like no, none of them were there when it was built. They're just like <laughs> people that are being tra- like you, the people like you, and you realize, oh gosh, that's yeah, it's scary but also comforting to realize that everyone in the world is just doing their best. Yeah. And like trying hard, yeah. but they're just people like us. Yeah. And just like trying to do like people who have made this game are just people. There's not like a single like creator because this game is too big who decided everything about the game is people who had to make it. And there was a concept and it went through meetings and revisions and people added their own parts of it. And they wanted to do this, but that didn't work. They didn't get put into the game. And what we end up is the best that everyone could do. And like it's, I saw a game critic like talk about it, and I, I really agree that like um, working on games has made me like way more appreciative of like the work needed. The work, yeah. And so like as as mm-hmm. much as I can say, tell someone like, no, it doesn't cost more to have women in games. Like that's that's mm-hmm. that's a wrong way to look at it. I can also say like, yeah, I understand why this was made in this game instead of that. Because that cost a million more dollars than this, and like, mm-hmm. like, no, it doesn't. Like this, yeah. I've I've tried to have features put in games and so on. It says no, we have to cut this because we literally can't do it. We don't have enough people, and even if we had enough people, we wouldn't have enough time or money to test to make sure that thing works. And this kind of like gives you a sobering look at everything. So like, yeah, this game is pretty mm-hmm. good. It's not perfect. 
Combat's kind of okay. Uh, could have been better, but overall it's a fun ride, and I could actually be talking about Chariot, like, when I'm saying all of this exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah. like, but yeah, it, it's like, I appreciate this game for the me for its message, its perceived message, which may not line up with its intended mm -hmm. message, but that's a whole other conversation, right. but it's it's cool, and I wish there were more games like it. And there's another game like it, which doesn't seem all that awesome, but I haven't played it, because... But it's cool that there's more. Because I, I mm -hmm. think, like, that... There, there needs to be more of... More different stuff in games. And it's great, because, like, there's so many creators making games right now, and that have, like, lots of different... Especially now, lots of different perceptions, and everyone can, like, actually yep. tell their stories. So, yeah... Hey, hey, it's it's the best time. To it's be the best time games. to be playing video games <laughs> and making video games, provided you have a financial safety. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Mirror's is Edge. Is that going to be it? Yeah, <laughs> is that going to be it for Mirror's Edge chat? I think like so. I think so. Got a lot out Pirandello of yeah, Kruger is a really good company name. Pirandello Kruger. Pirandello Kruger. Good logo. That's <laughs> a really, yeah, like logo work in this game, really good. Mm -hmm. Company names, Mayor Callahan. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> like it's it's the fact that there's oh, what's the what's the ex wrestler? Ropeburn. 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 Like I I, I kind of like went went over this because uh, like chat was going nuts when I was because um, chat was sorry chat was going wild when I was um, doing like uh, doing the Ropeburn segment because everyone was discussing Ropeburn's wrestling past. <laughs> And doing like, oh yeah, his wrestling boasts and like his little rhymes about like, do, like calluses on his hands and stuff like that. Because like, yeah, like I have to think like I I I have to think that he's named Ropeburn because at some point people were like discussing like when they were making the game, just like oh yeah, there's a couple times where Faith like slides down these these big ropes and she needs to have actual like gloves or else she's gonna get some bad robe burn wait what did you just say yeah i woke up after oh, a 24 hour binge, binge development session was like uh uh write that down write that down yes like, go <laughs> write that down oh <laughs> god damn it uh, uh. that's it's, worth writing down yep <laughs> like jackknife that's a great character name Oh, so many good characters. Yeah, there's like names yeah. and logos. Like as a as a as a graphic designer, mm -hmm. I dig all oh, yeah. of that because, like, yeah, the branding is spot on in this game. That's that's. Maybe, I want more of that in more games. More good branding. Maybe in the next one they uh, will do more graphic design and actually pay off on the queer subtext between Faith and Celeste. That's all I'm saying. Yes, <laughs> more queer, like I'm I'm making a game that is nearly a hundred percent queer subtext and like. Good. What's like just queer text, there you actual go. text. Yeah, so, yeah. there we go. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's it's I'm yeah more of that, please. That's there's not there's, I don't think you can get to the point where there's too much of it, but feel free to try. <laughs> All right, and with that, we're gonna head over to some housekeeping. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> 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 is there housekeeping music? Are you going to pipe something in? Yes, awesome. there is some housekeeping I'm, music. I'm sure it sounded uh. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to thank Brenna for sharing the last episode. Brenna's already, Brenna's always holding it down on the retweets. Um, 
And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Podcast Fireside. If you want to send in some questions and comments, you could do so at firesidefriendpodcast at gmail.com. It's really long. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe we'll find a shorter email. Um, and then you can follow and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Those rates apparently really help podcasts. And if you enjoy this podcast, maybe give us some stars. I heard that even negative negative reviews help too. So, I mean, I don't know how I haven't done my research on how this actually works. But review us on iTunes. Tell a friend. <laughs> tell your dog. I don't know. <laughs> tell someone about your podcast. Tell your hyper-intelligent or- dog who listens to podcasts and can rate them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The dog loves cereal. <laughs> He's so into cereal. Uh yeah. Alex, thank you so much for being on. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for bearing with my incredibly long monologues. <laughs> no. You you're wonderful and anytime you want to come back on the show, you're always welcome to cuz this was so much. It was really oh, good. Thank you. Yes. Yep. Uh, why don't you go ahead and plug your work? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm as I said before, I'm currently working on One Last Cup, a cyberpunk coffee shop conversation game full of feels and queer text and sadness. And uh, you can find us on uh, iconoclast.love. That's an actual website. Uh, iconoclast Whoa. is spelled with a with a K, like i k o n o c l e s t dot love. Um, and then you can learn more about um. One last cup. We also have a Patreon running to help us keep the company running because, hey, making games is expensive and, you know, mm. like that financial safety net eventually runs out uh, and yep. or has run out. So, hey, money, <laughs> basic, like basic income, not here yet. So please help. Uh, I'm also, um, I'm as Tanya Short of Kidfog Games told, I'm like 90% a Twitter person. So I'm always on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter easily at HavocHQ. That's H-A-V-O-C-H-Q. Havoc, the word in the English language, not the Marvel hero. <laughs> and um, also you can find... Wait, you, are you saying you didn't make it up? <laughs> Alex Summers no. made it up. Yeah, someone else made up the word Havoc in the English language long ago, and I've just okay. used it. Uh, yeah. You can also find me uh, on on various places, but basically I tried to put links to it at zandravandera.com. That's basically where I pipe everything. But yeah, drop me a line on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, go there. Uh, also, I have uh, my Patreon to support my artistic stuff, uh, and it is currently at uh, patreon.com slash havochq. That's basically where I post like uh, the Design Delve videos I do when I stream, uh, all of my art, uh, and uh, if you can support me, I would very much appreciate it. And we can like that can get you cool things like my high res stuff, my work files, and more interaction. And uh, also, like I will eventually draw things for you, give you discounts if you want me to draw things for you. Because hey, apparently I'm an artist. That's awesome. I <laughs> stopped drawing for for like a decade or more, and then just last year started picking it up again. And oh my gosh, drawing is great. So yes, please, <laughs> please come check out. There's currently like a uh, multiple dozens of posts that are up. So if you just for just a dollar per two weeks, you can get a ton of stuff, including a lot of very cute mouse made pictures. So give that a <laughs> go. And thank you so much for listening to so many of my words on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank you for being on. Um, 
And uh, yeah, definitely check out all of that stuff. Uh, Alan, where can people find you on the internet? You can, I, I don't tweet much, but you can find me on Twitter at Alan Ibrahim, spelled A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H-I-M, where I'm occasionally tweeting about my long, beautiful eyelashes. And uh, that is where all <laughs> of my stuff gets plugged. I'm not really anywhere else. You know, I have another podcast called Scape Chats. If you like Farscape, it's a good show. That's what I got going on. Alan's refreshing because he doesn't pay attention to Twitter discourse, <laughs> and 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 you need the you need that friend that doesn't do that. Yeah, like it, oh my <laughs> fa- fair warning. If you follow me on Twitter, like my Twitter, like uh, my tweets are either game dev, me gushing about cute things, and unrelenting feminism. <laughs> that is my that fantastic. Is, <laughs> yeah, Katie is off the grid as usual. Uh, you can f- you can find me at Talker Detective. Uh, I tweet about whatever show or video game that I'm playing, uh, but I'm mostly just getting mad at the world and turfs. That's me. Um, and I think that's a podcast. What huh, do you say? I think yeah. There it is. There it is. There it be. Ship it. Yep. It's done. Yep. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Good luck out there, and don't forget to take care of yourself. We'll see yes, you later. Yes, keep. Let's keep making wonderful things together.